This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We are going to make public colleges and universities tuition-free. In our America, our teachers will be paid their value because they are raising our Confronting the challenge of climate change before it is too late. $50 billion to our historically black colleges and universities. Whoever the Democratic nominee is, we have to stay together and elect a Democrat president of the United States of America. We are headed towards the first debate of the Democratic presidential primary season. The Democrats looking for someone to challenge President Trump for the presidency next year. This really kicks off the process, and we are coming out of a key event for Democrats down in South Carolina. It was Jim Clyburn's world-famous fish fry, in which a string of candidates gave short stump speeches and met and talked to a key voting group, and that's African-American voters down there in South Carolina. That state, it's going to be the first time that the Democratic candidates will face a largely African-American electorate. So that was key. We're going to recap on this episode what we learned down there and what to watch for heading into those debates. So first off, down in South Carolina, I got a chance to sit down with a group of voters, most of whom hadn't made up their minds about a candidate yet because it's early. And we went over to Big T's Barbecue, had had a great lunch, And I started asking them, first of all, whether the way they were approaching this contest and looking at the candidates was the same way that they saw the media portraying this contest. And I got some interesting answers, and I want to let you listen in. When the media then describes people, is there something in particular that makes you sit up and go, that's not that's not right? I think what what is critical about understanding media is that it's about controlling the story. And I think when you really have the authentic approach coming from what I call the street paper, you really get the true story. And I'm not sure if that, that edition has been, you know, put out yet. What do you mean by the street paper? The street paper is just common conversation that happens at the table, uh-huh. the barbershop, uh-huh. in the church pews, uh-huh. you know, in the hair salon. These are the conversations that I need to be, that needs to be exposed about Columbia. What's in a what's, what's in a what's a topic in those conversations that you never see on TV, you never hear from the from the media or the pollsters? Uh, you, to be truthful, yeah, uh, be truthful. You know, <laughs> how do how do candidates show up and you know get here in that in that position where they they're now the front leader, or uh, who's going to talk about what the black vote is um, and the power of it? Uh, what about education? Okay. Uh, what about job opportunities and growth? These things are what 
are being discussed or these subject matters are being discussed all so the time. So you feel like somebody somebody outside of here anoints a front runner or tells you who the front runner is and you say, wait a second, it's too soon or? Yeah, it's too soon. How, uh, they, have, they, have they proven themselves to us know. yet? Okay. They haven't, have, they, have they been to our churches, our barbershops? You know, we want to know that we get that flesh on flesh before they get the anointing. So when I was talking with these voters, we were coming off a week in which Joe Biden, who by all accounts is the front runner. I don't always like that term because it feels kind of horse racy, but he does have the most support and the most consideration both down there in South Carolina and across all of the early contests. Well, Biden had run into some controversy for talking about how he had worked with segregationists back in the United States Senate in the 1970s. And some of the media called this a gaffe, a mistake. Other competitors, some criticized him. And I wondered whether voters were absorbing this quite the so same in way. In the news now, the front runner, for no, 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 no it doesn't matter, the front runner, Joe Biden, makes news yesterday, his comments about having worked with people that were segregationists back, you know, when he was in the Senate. Does that change anything for you? Do you pay attention to that? Is that a media story? Is that something that's disturbing? What is that? For me, I I think you pay attention to it because you want to gain as much knowledge and information about each individual. Um, But you have to approach it uh, very cautiously because, you know, at the drop of a dime that they're going to pivot. You know, that that may be today or that was his comment yesterday. Two weeks, three weeks later, it could be something totally on the opposite end of that that spectrum that he's he's prepared to defend. You know, he's prepared to defend the shift. And I think that's one thing um, that really makes this process a lot more complicated. So especially for those who are following and are in tune. So if you're just kind of sitting back and not even um, worrying about it, you're waiting until we get down to the final two or three, you're really going to be in trouble because you've missed the background. <laughs> you you missed, you missed all of the changes and some of the pertinent information um, to help you make an informed decision. Did you guys, did that resonate with you? Did that change anything for you? Or? Um, you know, I'm the type of person, I like to kind of take things in and reflect on it. Um, and then from there, just kind of see what, are your next moves? What are the next things that you're going to do? And then I kind of take all of that into account before I say, okay, well, yeah, I still I'm going to agree or follow along with what you're saying, or uh, let me see if there's somebody else who's really speaking more so to me. I don't want to count you out so early or um, uh, I guess agree with you so early just to say like, oh, okay, that was great. And then you change your mind and do something else later on. I just want to give you some time to kind of really present who you are because once a person shows you who they are you have to believe them and I don't want to believe something too early and that turns out that you're not so you give people more time I give them more time is that is that partly for Biden because he has served so long and you already feel like you know him or is this stuff sort of surprising to you that you're learning now um I I can kind of say, I mean, I know he he was our our former vice president but I can't say 100% that I really know him Um, Because I followed more with um, President Obama than I did with Vice President Biden. So I I need more. I want to get to know him a lot better. I want to give him a fair and equal shot in my eyes. And so I I just need more. I need a little more. You were going to mention. And I know for me, because he ran with President um, Obama, he needs his own platform. Um, I don't want to look at him as, you know, Vice President Biden. You know, right, the, right. Oh, he's going to be our new Obama. I don't want to look at him like that. So he deserves that same opportunity that we're giving all the candidates. And I'm an educator too. Um, and you talked about, you know, what what do people need to say? I need to see actions besides just words because I think 
we've gotten a lot of words this is what I'm going to do when I get in office and this is how I'm going to help students and we haven't really seen any of that in action so I really need to see a plan and what are your actions outside of the words that you're saying is it more important to have somebody who agrees with you on everything even if you think they're a longer shot to beat President Trump versus somebody that you think would beat President Trump that maybe doesn't really agree with you on everything, if you had to choose. No, I, I, for me, um, and I'm, you set me up, by the way, you got me with all these educators. <laughs> um, I'm actually, uh, I'm, a, I'm a banker, so I'm a corporate guy. But for, for me, I think um, the closest um, that we had to somebody who could just obliterate the whole party system was Obama, because he had a message that had everybody come together. You had Republicans crossing over, you know, to support him or whatever. But I think I want a candidate that's just bottom line genuine. If, if you're going to care about the people, then I know something that you present is going to impact me in a positive way. As long as you have the people at the, at the forefront at, at, at your heart, you know, I'm doing it for the people. But all the the sound bites, the hot topics, all that stuff, man, I think at the end of the day, that's what frustrates the common voter, because you yeah. see it, you, you tell me one thing, and then you see me deviate, and I never address it again. How can you tell when someone's not being genuine? What's a giveaway? Because there's no consistency. Right. There's no consistency. Right. Every week is something different with you. And, and yeah, I, the audience and I just, I just got on got on, you know, the, the finance bandwagon. You said you're going to do something to help me eliminate, you know, my student loan debt and forgive that. And now you're talking about, you know, possibly raising taxes. on. I mean, it's just, just back and forth on, on issues. And is until you're consistent, that's how I know that you're, you're really for the people because your message hadn't changed. You know, whether it's adversity, whether your poll numbers drop, whether you lose support from people, you're still consistent regardless. That's what touches me and makes me want to That's Harris's support. slogan, by the way, for uh, the people. <laughs> I mean, consistency along with action. Right. Starting to lead from where you are. If you do not win the nomination, are you still doing things yes. to help exactly. the, the people? So, that's what I need to say. And then if you have to constantly defend anything you're saying or doing, then I know you're not genuine because, well, I didn't mean it like that. So voters were telling us that it was still just too early for any one thing to have dominant influence over their thinking about a candidate, and particularly one like Biden, for whom there was a large body of work back there. Even in the polling, we had seen that eight in 10 Democratic voters said that they were considering Joe Biden because of the work he had done as vice president in the Obama administration. And yet others were saying, well, that's all good, but now he has to establish himself as a candidate in his own right, and they were looking to see how that would unfold. Again, back to this idea that it's early and that voters are going to look at this as one gentleman I sat down with said as a training camp or a mini camp, to use a sports analogy, where first you're going to see who might make the team and then you might take the next step and figure out who it is that's going to start or be your star or the one that you're going to support all of which was to say the voters were in no hurry to make a final decision. And part of that was because they kept telling us that there were just too many candidates and they had to narrow things down. 
there's 24 candidates. Right? <laughs> is that too? Is that too many? Is it the right amount? What is that? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's too many. But I think it also puts the onus back on us to make sure we're getting to know the candidates, and so we have to work even harder. In addition to them working hard to get our vote, we have to work even harder to research them, know their stances, making sure they're in line with our policy preferences and what we're passionate about, and to speak to the 24. I've personally met 11 of them so far. I've visited their events. I've spoken with them. I, too, am an educator, so I asked them specifically. Even if they didn't include anything about education in their stump speech, I made sure I asked them something specifically about education so that I can learn more about their stance, about their policy, about their preferences, and so I know. Because ultimately, you don't know who's going to be on the ticket. You don't know who's going to be in cabinet positions. You don't know who could be our next Secretary of Education. So it would behoove us to get to know as many of the 24 as possible <laughs> because, you know, you have to determine who you're going to vote for, but you also need to know who those other players will be because ultimately... We also know that up there with Joe Biden or near Joe Biden, a lot of other candidates are getting consideration from voters right now, even if they're not pegged in their support. We've got Elizabeth Warren getting a lot of consideration, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, to a lesser extent, Pete Buttigieg. What you're watching in the debates is whether those candidates can convert what is currently consideration into support, that first choice, if pressed, for voters that say they'd vote for them today. And then you're looking for the other candidates to try to get into that conversation, to be among those that voters are considering, because we know that they're considering a handful, not all, but a handful. And that's the dynamic you want to watch as these debates go forward at this point in time. So with that, we'll be back after those are over to recap and try to break down whether each candidate did some of what they needed to do. And in the meantime, this is Anthony Salvato for Where Did You Get This Number? I want to thank everybody here at CBS News Radio, in particular my intrepid producer, Alan Pang, for pulling all of this down together, and you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, please give us a rating, and I will see you back here next time.